Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 129. You got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about a recent rifle training event that kind of did some multi-person movement and other things involved in it. Absolutely. Guys, we, we preach a lot um, about going out and getting training and bringing it back to your tribe, bringing it back to your buddies, bringing it back to your family um, or your peer group or your other officers that you work with or the other Joes that you serve with. Um, you know, in, in under the auspices of going and taking that training, but then spreading the knowledge around a little bit, um, you know, and I, I know there are probably some guys out there who teach at a high level who, who hear a comment like that and kind of cringe because they're like, okay, um, you know, we're the experts, we teach this stuff. And, and I absolutely agree with that. If you can avail yourself of the opportunity to go get um, higher level training, especially not, not necessarily skills training, but tactics and procedures training. Um, from, you know, from the source or from somebody who's very close to the source is always a really, really good idea. Unfortunately, the reality is, is that that's not always an option for everybody out there. And one of the efficiencies of having tribe or having a training group or having a group of guys that you work with that you're tight with, um, and you do things off hours as far as training goes with, um, this is, this is the advantage. Um, so a, a couple of our guys have had training and, and I would say, I would say recent and relevant training. Um, you went to Tactical Response and did their high-risk civilian contractor stuff. Yeah. Um, we we also have a gentleman who has uh, recent military service um, and had an opportunity to do some of this training through the military slash Department of State. Um, you know, we also have some guys involved here locally who have trained with some local folks who do executive protection work um, and things like that. So the, the, what we focused on was basically more of like an executive protection type mentality around what, what we were doing. Um, there are a a few different ways to go about what we did. We're going to talk about what we did and what we practiced. Um, and, and this is not to be taken as a, like the way, you know, we went and did this and you should learn how to do exactly this. This is just something that, that we were able to bring forward to our guys, uh, and work through it. Um, I, I, this training opportunity, as much as it taught the group some of the theory of doing executive protection or, or protection of an individual or something like that, um, probably more importantly would be to break down that the fact that any type of protectee status assignment is going to push you into doing basics of team movement, communication, um, shoot, move, communicate. It all comes down to shoot, move, communicate kind of things. <laughs> Um, and then, and then working as an individual, making sure your skills are squared away, then working as a two man team and then working potentially as a more than that person element, um, whether that's, you know, five, six, eight, ten, I don't care, whatever. Um, the reality check is it all comes down to the individual doing what they're supposed to be doing, shoot, move, communicate, and then pushes into a two man team, your buddy, and then pushes into a four, six, whatever man team and go from there. Um, so, so this, this, as much as this was an opportunity to teach some guys some interesting stuff that probably is a little bit esoteric for civilians right now. What it really is is an opportunity to do multiple things at one time and give a guy gives the guys the inter- a chance to integrate basic skills they already have into something a little more complex and to kind of get into that area where, hey, um, two man move communicate should be, you know, should be shouldn't pretty easy to, to do. It yeah, it shouldn't point. have to put a whole lot of shouldn't have to put a whole lot of hard drive space into that. A whole lot of processor space should not go into that. That should be something that you can kind of do in the background, like shooting. Um, I just made a computer analogy. <laughs> um, those of you who know me know that 
I probably just made a bad computer analogy, and I don't even know it because I'm that bad at computers. But either way, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the <laughs> processor space, processor space processor is what I meant, not hard drive space. So uh, either way, um, the, but the reality check. So actually, let's let's talk on that for a moment. Yeah, no, no. Uh, you know, one of the things we focused on was keeping our battle drills very simple, mm -hmm. uh, so that they could be applied to a a vast multitude of scenarios. Yep. Um, and by keeping it simple, um, it made it simple to execute. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and again, uh, you know, uh, under the auspices of giving people information in a fashion that they can integrate that, in, in, that, that information into their brain um, and those abilities into their brain in a very simplistic way. Um, and maybe it's not quite an A-B conversation. You choose one or the other. But, I mean, it's still very simple choices, keeping things broken down. Um, and, and I, I, I would almost equate what we did to similar to like some of the like structure work, room clearing kind of stuff yeah. where, where you, you know, there aren't a whole lot of options. And basically if you're, if your teammate or your buddy does X, you're going to do Y and the, there's, you know, the first guy in is always right. So you work off of him and go on. And so this is a little bit of, you know, that reactive contact mentality where, um, you know, it, when everybody reacts to contact, you know, from the perceived threat, uh, everybody else does their job. And if there's some confusion, adapt and overcome, you know, so we, so it just was a really, really good opportunity to say, Hey, the shooting into this isn't, should be in the background that that should be, you know, nearly automatic. And I think for everybody, except for me, um, on one run of that, it was for whatever reason, uh, I, I was, anyway, I had some marksmanship issues in one of the runs that were more than just embarrassing. Um, so it wasn't automatic for me, apparently, on that one. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, I mean, that, the whole point, that you know, one of the, while we want to share the information about some of the stuff that we did, we also want to share the idea, um, a few different ideas that surround this that should, you know, hopefully after 129 or 130 podcasts, something like that, um, you know, there are common themes that tend to pop up again. Um, but I, I want to share a phrase that was brought to us that I've heard before, but it was nice to hear it reiterated. One of the simplest phrases I've heard, uh, in a, you know, ever around training, brilliance in the basics. Um, one of our guys is, you know, he's currently uh, in the military uh, doing, doing good work protecting the people of the country while they sleep soundly at night. Uh, he's the guy on the wall, so to speak. And, and to hear, you know, this guy who, who leads meat eaters, you know, make the comment, you know, brilliance in the basics, brilliance in the basics, brilliance in the basics. And curiously enough, the, the instructors I've trained with, the, the higher up the food chain or the hierarchy they go toward the pointy end of the spear, the, the more I hear them say things like, um, there's not anything but the basics. It's just perfect application of the basics. Perfect execution. Yeah, perfect execution. And, well, and application both, though. Um, you know, it, it, you know it's, it's just being able to do those very, very fundamental things with zero thought at speed um, correctly and at the right time. Um, not too early, not too late, not on the wrong person, not, you know, on the right person, that kind of thing. So without, you know, preaching a whole lot further about that, um, this, this kind of came to me as one of those things where we're, we're out doing our thing, but if you sit back and look at it from 30,000 feet, from the bigger picture of it, it's the same thing we're doing. It's applying basics to maybe some more complicated um, concepts and, and working through a little bit of that, shit, what do I do? Well, let's do something. So, you know, and if my teammates taking the lead and doing X, Y, or Z, then I'll do A, B, or C and fall into whatever role that might be. Um, 
so uh, starting off with what we did was basically, like I said, an executive, executive protection mentality. Um, there are two, I think, and, and maybe things have changed. I haven't done this kind of stuff with anybody that's that's super current in, a, yeah. in you know, in eight years or so. Um, but my understanding, you know, the, the theories that we were working out of were the box of the diamond. We chose to use the box. Um, and basically what you have is a, is a five-man team and a protectee. Um, you know, you can assume or not assume anything else around that. You can assume that you'll have QRF. You can assume that you'll have lead and tail uh, or not. You can assume, you know, all these different things around this situation. But the way we were treating it specifically was that you had five guys and somebody you needed to keep safe for whatever reason. Um, we chose to use the box uh, orientation because that was what the majority of our guys had experience with. Um, and I don't think there's a right or a wrong to it. Um, the box seems to be kind of where DS, DOS and DSS right now are working. Um, or were when, when we took the training, yeah. I have no idea what they're doing now. Yeah. I um, learned the box down a tactical response. Yeah. And, and um, that comes directly from department of state. Yeah, It's real yeah. simple. Um, it minimizes a lot of decision-making, yep. um, and it yep, yep. minimizes a lot of potential, um, blue on blue type situations. Yes. So, so the gist of the situation is that you're you're moving, you know, a, a protectee, somebody you, that you need to keep safe through some manner of space and, and whatever that looks like. And we can call it the battle zone. We can call it whatever you want to call it. I don't want to get that grandiose about it. We were they gotta know, go from point A to point, point B. B. Yeah, we were six cake eaters just trying to trying to do some skills stacking um, and create some challenge for our guys. Um, so I, I will say that we we started off the first half of this training. We did dry. Um, we literally unloaded guns. Um, hell, I didn't even use a gun. I just did the pew pew with my finger thing, you know, for, for a big part of this. Basically what you have is literally uh, a team leader and a protectee in the center of the box. Um, you have right front, left front, right rear, left rear, and you run whatever spacing is appropriate based on the terrain and based on where you're at. Um, you know, generally five to seven yards off each corner from the protectee and the team leader. And, and you moved where it is you're going. And then at some point, we had a we had an individual we referred to as the, the dungeon master. Was that the right one? <laughs> that the, was the, the, right the, one. the dungeon master. Um, an individual as a dungeon master would call out a, a threat vector and distance, you know, a threat vector and say, hey, you know, off your one o'clock, 50 meters. Okay, cool. And that lets the team know who needs to react and go where. Um, you know, understanding that two, two of those four corners are going to compress on the protectee and the team leader and move that protectee wherever it is they need to go. And then the other two uh, are, are left to defend that, or to tie up the enemy, essentially, yeah. to basically tie up whatever that They're threat the is. the blocking force. Yeah, the blocking force, to eliminate the enemy, or, or at least, at the very least, tie them up so that the you could get somebody to safety. Um, again, as cake-eating civilians, this is a fairly esoteric exercise until you get down to the idea that it requires six people to shoot, move, and communicate. Um, well, five plus the, the guy you're moving. Yeah, well, but you had to move him and communicate yeah. with him, too. I mean, at one point, he should have been yanked off his feet and back into line. Um, rabbit. Um, anyway, so, you know, we were in a situation where, again, this this is it seems esoteric, but what it comes down to is a two-man element um, dealing with a threat and another two-man element dealing with security and then yet another two-man element dealing with movement and communication. Um, you know, something I that this, you know, so again, it just kind of seemed like one of those things that, yeah, let's, let's do this because it gives everybody a chance to stack some tasks on top of each other and maybe get a, a little more inoculation to some manner of stress. Plus there's some significant PT because this is in, in essence an infantry react to contact drill. So it's, 
you know, up, I'm up, he sees me, I'm down. And the closer you are to the threat, the shorter that time frame is, the more you're up and down. And then you throw in um, a little bit of added degree of difficulty uh, with somebody playing the protectee who um, was pretty good at saying, you know, at, at, at knowing what it looks like to say, hey, I'm scared. Hey, what's going on? Hey, shut up, sir. We're trying to take care of you. You know, just let, let us do our job kind of thing. Um, and that person a couple times stepped a few different places they weren't supposed to step to make you react to them. Um, at one point, that person called out, you know, wow, my leg really hurts. Um, for his trouble, he got a tourniquet on, and I cranked that sucker down. Um, so he stopped requesting medical attention after that because uh, <laughs> he was handled a little bit briskly by yours truly. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, when he said, I'm having trouble breathing while the tourniquet was on, then screamed at me, no, 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 don't put that sticky thing on my chest. It'll rip the hair off. So anyway, um, we, <laughs> he did not want a chest seal put on um, as, a, as a practice item. Uh, but he did get a tourniquet, and, and God love him So uh, for, for toughing it up and going with that. Um, so like I said, the, 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 a big part of this, without, I, I don't know how far we can get into the details. It's not like it's protected information. Yeah. It's just kind of difficult to have a discussion about exactly think, what I'm going to let you lead through that because you have more experience yeah, in teaching it. Some of the some of the big kind of call it mindset things that people needed to overcome were focusing exclusively on their job. Yeah, because uh, we're used to you know one one person does the thing, everybody else watches them do the thing. Yep. You know we're doing skills type stuff on the square range. And in this case, everybody's doing their job at the same time. Yeah, I mean, as a concealed carry permit holder, you're you're drawing, shooting, and doing those different things generally as an individual. The assumption yeah. is is that you're on your own. No one's coming to rescue you, um, which is, again, part of where we're stacking, stacking tasks. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, and then to add to that, you know, the guys in the blocking force, all of a sudden, it kind of, it took a few runs, but it finally dawned on, like, oh, like, we're... We're getting left out here. We're on our yeah. own. Yeah. Um, we better figure this out, and we better yeah. figure it out quickly. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, forcing those two guys to realize that it's now up to them to move and communicate effectively so mm-hmm. that they don't put themselves in a worse position than they're already in. Yeah. Yeah. And need to be rescued and, and know that, you know, maybe there's, again, an assumption that maybe you're getting rescued or maybe you're not. Um, you know, you, at some point, you know, I guess everybody is, is sacrificial at some point, at some level. Uh, I feel like I'm very sacrificial because I feel like I'm at a very low level. (laughs) Uh, And then on the, like the, the other side of that, getting the, the, we call it the extraction team. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the team leader and the two guys on the box that were furthest away from wherever the threat was at, that were with the protectee. Uh, to realize that no, you're not going back for the blocking force. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like your your mission focus is to extract the the protectee who is of significantly higher value than everybody else in the team. Yeah. Um, and that guy is your responsibility. So the blocking force is on their own. Well, and curiously enough, the guy we'll call we'll refer to as East Dayton, um, <laughs> who's who's always ready to smoke a fool. Um, was what you know? Who's who's the the, the lone wolf ready to smoke a fool? Uh, was was the guy who was ready to wade back in like John Wayne and save his buddies? Um, pretty cool to know that that guy's got that vein running as well yeah. as the. Um, did you just look at me sideways? You know, kind of thing. Are you looking at me? Uh, you know. Um, but yeah, there. You know, definitely understanding that. Yeah, once you get, you know, to whatever the rally point or, or extract point or or whatever to the car to get out of Dodge to someplace safe to get away yeah. from gunfire. Um, is understanding that, you know, you still have that, your job is still whatever that thing is you're protecting. 
Um, and, and unfortunately, those two guys out there have to figure it out. Um, I, I suppose there might be situations where you could support them from afar um, if it was an extremist enough, but you, you still can't leave your your you still can't leave your concern. Correct. You've got to maintain possession and of the concern and protection of the concern. Don't necessarily once you've broken contact want to give the enemy your location again. Either. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so yeah. So it's an interesting thing to to have everybody have to compartmentalize what their jobs were, do those jobs. Um, not, not think purely in terms of, think in terms of the mission, but not necessarily the team. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, some things that came from this, um, PT, I'm still going to go back to PT. I still think PT is a fundamental, um, the biggest upgrade you can do your gun. That's it. The, 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 and probably the cheapest, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so, you know, doing a, a lot of up, a lot of down when you're getting down, whether it's taking a knee or getting proned out, uh, we, you know, we got a, uh, one of our gentlemen is a uh, former Marine. And his reaction to, to to the threat is to get flat, um, and that comes directly out of you know probably four years of getting flat, yeah. um, and, and and gets up and gets down very well. I mean, you know, Paul's Paul's a stud. You know, he's a he's a big dude, but he carries it and is strong. Um, you know, but ever everybody was even in a fairly short. You know, we weren't running these drills across like a half mile. We were running these drills a hundred yards and in. Um, you know, and and so basically a lot of this stuff was you know dealing with the threat. Um, at an intermediate distance, um, and then and then getting away from the threat. So you know, up and down, but up and down, and then trying to shoot, get your heart rate up, try and get the gun steady without going prone. Um, the terrain didn't necessarily allow prone very well, um, and there were some situations where if you got down to prone, you were going to experience defilade, which is great for you, but it's not good for the team because you're supposed to be engaging the bad guy. Um, so you know, it, it again was just reading some of that stuff, but but being in good enough shape to get up and move quickly, but get back down and get rounds back down range, um, and and that that was that was I don't think anybody had any significant issues with that, um, and I don't think that was my problem when I was struggling. I just think I I don't know I don't know what was going on. Yeah. I was just mashing the trigger, doing something dumb. So I don't know, whatever. <clears throat> yeah, I will say you know the shooting we're shooting quarter size steel targets, so roughly eight by ten, eight by twelve. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, they got hit a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, even when I was missing, I was I was still hitting them. I just wasn't. I just feel like that target yeah. should be beating the crap out of that target. Um, uh, you know. Yeah, but I mean, the, the targets were getting hit a lot. If you had a chance to listen to what was going on, it sounded like one continual stream of gunfire. Yeah. Once the drill started. Yeah. So when we called end exercise. Uh, yeah. Even though it was two separate shooters shooting. Yeah. Uh, it the effect on target was like. It never, the, the rounds never ceased going downrange. And I do think that's a function of having done two-man team stuff and everybody being squared away in that regard. So again, I think a lot of us have that in the background. That aspect of it was was truly something that we were running on autopilot. There, it was throwing in where's where's the re, where's the extract team at was yeah. the conversation a little more with that with those guys, which was cool. Um, but absolutely, um, yeah. So I, I don't think marksmanship suffered. I just think I struggled with it on one of the runs. Yeah. So, um, along with PT, uh, the communication into things, um, we, can we jump to that now? Sure. Okay, cool. Um, the, the, the communication end of things, shoot, move, communicate. Um, we had a number of situations where, where guys were, you know, we were talking about, you know, in a two man conversation, you know, there's, there's like the whole, you know, moving and your, your partner, if he's up and running and has a half a mag, you know, at least, you know, says move and then you get up and go. Um, in, in this case, you know, we've worked this down to where if, if you get up and move, as soon as you get in position on that second or third shot, 
the you know the, your buddy knows you're up and running if he's listening, um, and that cadence of those shots can be a little bit different too as an indice. You know when I hit when I get into position, I'm going to send those first couple rounds pretty quick um, to let him know hey I'm up and it's talking guns. Okay, well when he hears that second or third shot, he knows I didn't just reload and my mag didn't just fall out of my gun because I didn't get a good reload in with a mag insertion, right? Um, so he knows hey it's time for him to move. Then he may still call out moving just to let me know okay I'm moving. Um, you know, but this is, this is basically linear bounding, um, where you're, you know, away from the threat and you're, you're offset. So being offset far enough that you're safe and all that yeah, fun stuff stay in your, stay in your, your lane, lane, in your lane. Um, and so, but it's a lot about the communication into things The communication into things may not necessarily be somebody yelling out, I'm moving or I'm loading or this, that, or the other. Um, if your gun runs dry, you damn well better be calling out something, whether downloading, whatever. Um, but then calling out up again um, is probably not necessary if you just fire two or three rounds. I know you're back up again. Yeah. Um, we did have a couple situations where um, somebody got up to move. Uh, somebody called out loading because they were dry. Um, there's, there's also another auditory cue when someone's loading their gun and they're dry. It's called silence. Um, when nobody's shooting, uh, you might want to think about getting back down on the deck pretty quick. Um, you reacted to that just fine. At some point, somebody ran out and called it, and you were right down on the ground and right back to shooting, so there was almost no gap there. Yeah. Um, there were a couple times where it was just missed entirely, and the person that was moving just blindly ran to their next position and did their thing. Um, the communicate part of that's pretty interesting, and it doesn't necessarily have to be verbal. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be auditory either. I mean, you know, I think there were a couple times where part of the communication is looking over your shoulder you know, and waving to the extract team, you know, um, you know, we're up, go, 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 get out of Dodge, you know, while we got, yeah. while we got two guns in the fight, while nobody's hurt, while nobody's injured or shot or whatever, um, you guys need to go and we'll keep hammering on the bad guys and then we'll, and then we'll move behind you, you know, so. Yeah, I will say, you know, being able to communicate through your gunfire. Yeah. Saves a lot of time. Yep. In communications. Yep. Uh, once you get over two people, so we go to four people, we go to eight people. Yeah. Um, there's too many people involved yep. to do verbal communications. Yep. Unless you've got a designated team leader who all he's doing is calling out who's doing what, when. Yeah. Uh, which is really more of an assault type mentality. Yeah. Uh, where we've got support by fire elements and we need to shift fire and do those kinds of things. Uh, but on a react to contact, you know, if we've got, say we've got eight people on all line abreast, uh, as long as there's outbound gunfire, yep. other people can be moving. Yep. Um, yeah. And then as soon as they're down and sending rounds down range, you know, Other people can be moving. Up, they need to get moving too. Yeah. Uh, and it's important not to get so sucked into the target yeah. that you lose track of what your teammates are doing because all of a sudden now you're three or four bounds behind. Yeah. And that causes big problems too. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the other thing that we, we learned is that if you've done the TL role, if you've been the team leader, um, the person that you actually had, you know, hands on your protectee, um, you're driving the boat, so you need to be paying attention. You need to be making sure that you know if you're up and moving, and you're and you're ex, you know, and the guys, the blocking team is is decided they're not going to move, and you want it, you know, you wanted to move, you got to call that out. Um, if your lead guy, your lead security guy, gets too far ahead of you, you need to rein him in. Um, if your rear security guy is not keeping up, you need to rein him in. Um, as the box is moving before any contact, you need to make sure the guys are maintaining their intervals, maintaining their spaces. Um, you know, a, a quick note on the spacing, and again, we're, we're in the civilian world, so this is a little bit esoteric, but it's, it's real. Um, you're looking for spacing that doesn't let one frag take out everybody. So you're basically, that's why the five to yeah. seven meters. You're looking for that spacing that lets everybody react to a grenade 
Um, you don't want guys piled up or stacked deep so that one, you know, one round can penetrate two bodies and take two guys out, that kind of stuff. So that was some of the thing for the spacing. You're not looking to be miles apart. You're not going line abreast covering territory, you know, scraping for yeah. people. You're, you want to keep everybody far enough apart to not get hit in one burst, but everybody close enough together to fight cohesively. So, um, and it's a team leader's job to communicate that as you're moving both without threats. And then once the threats start, it's also the TL's job to make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and it's also his job to keep the protectee moving. So he's got a lot on his yeah. plate unless everybody knows their roles and has drilled them a lot. And most of the people who do this for a living drill the crap out of this. So, yeah. 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 To add to that, you know, it's the team leaders. Team leader in this case isn't necessarily a shooter. I mean, he's got yeah. a gun, but if he's shooting, um, things are things have gone very, very bad. Or you're doing it wrong. Yeah, or you're doing, or you're it, doing wrong. it wrong. You're trying to get in the fight when you don't need to be in the fight. You need to be guiding the fight. So yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so like I said, the, you know, this was an interesting night. Um, you know, we we kind of covered probably the big things that we learned. Again, I think we're you know uh, always, always, always PT, always, always, always marksmanship. Um, those are some fundamentals. Um, and then always, always, always communication. So we just covered shoot, move, and communicate in three yeah. things right there. Um, and, and so again, this, this was, this was not brilliance in the basics. Um, but this was foundational basics. It was yeah. getting that, getting that down. Um, and it, it, honestly, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's a little, you know, you're, you know, nobody was playing dress up. Most, we were running this, maybe somebody, I, I threw a war belt on, everybody else was running mags out of their pockets. Um, what, what was it? 1994 Schwarzkopf. Or uh, 1991, the yeah. Schwarzkopf detail. Yeah, Schwarzkopf detail, you know, except nobody brought their shoot me first vest, um, which was unfortunate, you know, and nobody was wearing tan 511s, which was unfortunate yeah. too. So, uh, but yeah, so, you know, this wasn't even really playing dress up. Uh, this was just going out and doing some, some, some good uh, task stacking type behavior uh, and creating some challenges for some folks and, and, and being safe while you're doing it and learning uh, theoretically and practically to some extent learning a skill set that a, about half the guys had never done. Um, so good, good to share. Is it something that any of us will ever use in the future? Holy crap. I hope not. Um, but if you, you know, if you ever needed to understand a little bit more why it's important to understand that the, you know, you're the basic weapon, a two man team's pretty damn dangerous if they're trained up right. And then more people than that can be, can be really scary if they've got their shit together. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's, so that's why you don't want to poke the bear. Uh, there's a lot of dudes out there, prior service guys out there that I think have a lot of experience working in two, four and eight man teams or more. Um, and, and these dudes have been there in the real world. They don't get real twitchy. They just do their, they just do their job. Um, a dude who keeps his head down and does his job is interesting yeah. for sure. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I, say, I really enjoyed the night. So yeah, I'd say the night it was 90 degrees out Yeah, and super humid. Yeah. Um, it was a real good, like let's find out where your PT level is yep. kind of night too. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're looking to get actual, you know, professionally taught training on this stuff, um, the tactical response, um, high risk civilian contractor classes. Um, this particular block of instruction came out of the the small unit tactics class. Uh, sometimes they refer to that as the shooting package. Yeah. Um, but it's the first class in that series. Um, very well done. If you can get down to Camden and you got the ammo to do it. Um, well worth the the investment in time and ammo. Yep. Uh, max velocity training over in I think it's Romney, West Virginia. Um, he does a lot of very good small unit team yep. movement, um, that kind of stuff. Actually, doing a lot of those classes now with um, airsoft guns. Yep. Because they're integrating a force on force component to it. Yep. 
um, which, you know, the way ammo is right now might make that a compelling argument as to what class to take. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, uh, other thing, you know, tactical response to the SCT class, uh, you can do with your 1522 or 22 LR conversion kit um, yeah. or an AK. Um, they're not, you know, real wrapped around using a particular gun, but you just need something that goes bang. Yeah, something that's reliable. Uh, and then there are some other places you can go to that are that really do more the, the specifically the executive protection training on this side of the house. Um, if you're in central Ohio and Columbus, Ohio, Sierra Training Group, a number of those guys have done extensive executive protection work um, for extended periods of time. I mean, for, for decades, they've done this kind of work and, and not just locally, but globally, too. Um, so they have some guys there that are definitely more tuned into the um, rather than dignitary protection, the executive protection into things and are extremely well versed. Uh, I don't know who they're comfortable teaching it to necessarily. I don't. I don't know that necessarily. If you're just going to call them off the street and say, "Hey, I want to learn how to do this," because learning how to do this means learning how to counter it as well. Yep. Um, so you know, you might have a conversation with those guys and learn where they're willing to go with that, security-wise or comfort-wise, um, under the auspices of of not gearing up the bad guy um, to do work against themselves. So, uh, but Sierra, like I said, there's they're they're deep in guys who have real-world experience with that too. So. Uh, might be someplace to look locally if you don't want to if you can't get to Tennessee or you, you can't get out to do that so yeah, yeah. cool um, I think that's it yeah cool cool um, on that note please uh, follow us along on social media when we come across interesting things we want to share that's where we post them uh, along with inventory updates and things uh, Instagram is turning into a bunch of little commies so we're not er, able to put er, guns on more. IG at the moment yeah um, we were trying to post those on Facebook, so go to sign up on Facebook or follow us on Facebook, uh, and then change your notification settings so you get a ping when we post stuff. If you want to be the first in line to know about things like Daniel rifles, Bravo rifles, CZ Scorpions, CZ Scorpions, MP5s, uh, G43X, yep. MOSs, um, yep. cool stuff like that, um, you can just search for us as Cap City Outfitters. Uh, we also do an email newsletter once a week. It comes out on Fridays. You can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will happily add you to the newsletter um, mailing list. Also, on our website, you can find valuable information, such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, lastly, we look forward to seeing you at the store. We're in Hilliard, Ohio. 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, our hours are 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.